Welcome to our Wednesday podcast on the Psalms, some simple devotional thoughts. Today we consider Psalm 79. Like Psalm 74, this is a psalm written in the light of the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians and the subsequent destruction of the temple. So in verse 1, O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. The account of this is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verses 15 to 21. The psalm begins with a lament, verses 1 to 4. As we have seen in verse 1, the temple is defiled. In verse 2, the people are dead. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the heavens for food, the flesh of your faithful to the beasts of the earth. In verse 3, there is desolation, for there was no one to bury them. 2 Kings chapter 25 tells us that only a few of the poorest were left to look after the land. In verse 4, there is scorn for God's people. We have become a taunt to our neighbours, mocked and derided by those around us. As we reflect on these first four verses, we need to remember that God had warned his people what he would do if they kept disobeying his covenant. Way back as far as Deuteronomy chapter 28, God had spelt out what he would do to a continually faithless people send a foreign nation against them. And that which the psalmist is lamenting here was foretold by Jeremiah in chapter 7, verses 30 to 34. We are being reminded here that God is faithful to his word, even when it is carrying out judgment. A.W. Pink, writing on the faithfulness of God, says... Not only does God's word abound in illustrations of his fidelity in fulfilling his promises, it also records numerous examples of his faithfulness in making good his threatenings. And of course we see that in this psalm. Pink is right, which of course is why we need a saviour in Jesus Christ. He alone is the refuge from God's promised judgment day on sin. In verse five, there is a heartfelt cry, how long, O Lord? And then in the rest of the psalm, there follows a prayer for God to change a hard situation. Firstly, in verse six, pour out your anger on the nations. Here is a call for God to turn his wrath away from his people to the nations that have destroyed the city and the temple. In his time, God did answer this prayer when he restored his people and destroyed Babylon. Secondly, in verse 8, let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. They had no hopes but God's tender mercy, his compassion. They had been brought to a place of great distress and misery. And all they can do is throw themselves on God's mercy. Which is all we can do in our times of distress and misery. 
being thankful that God's mercies are greater than our miseries. Thirdly, in verse 9, deliver us and atone for our sins. God's people confess their sin. They seek pardon for their sin. They ask not as a matter of right, but as a gift of grace. Fourthly, in verse 11, let the groans of the prisoners come before you. The psalmist knows that God has a special place in his heart for the oppressed and vulnerable, and so he reminds God of those who need him. As we finish, notice in verse 9 that the psalmist pleads twice as he prays that God would answer for the glory of his name. As C.H. Spurgeon comments, this is a masterly pleading. No argument has such force as this. Believers will find it their wisdom to use very frequently this noble plea. It is the great gun of the battle, the mightiest weapon in the armory of prayer. Join me on Friday for Psalm 80.